Good morning. There's more of you than I thought there would be. When, uh, when John was praying that we'd have more in the congregation than the worship team, that sounds a little facetious, but there weren't many more than that at that point. And uh, my sister is even still here who said she'd leave as soon as I was ready to speak. You're going shortly, though? Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. I'll just try and offend her in the next two minutes and she'll be off. So, John has done a bit of a recap on bells, and we've had the video. Bless, eat, are we allowed to say what the other letters are yet? Is that okay? Listen, learn, scent. Um, so we're talking about becoming missional. Does that make sense to everybody? It's about looking outside of ourself, looking outside of ourself as a whole, and looking outwards. Um, this morning I've got Eat to speak on. I was quite excited when I saw the speaking program and I had Eat. I, I really like eating. Anyone else like eating? It's quite universal, isn't it? It's brilliant. About four people here like eating too. <laughs> um, but anyway, Graham did this talk last year and we're, we're recapping essentially, but we're trying not to say the same things. And Graham said it really good. So if you've got your earphones and uh, a smartphone with you, you could actually listen to Graham while watching my mouth move from the front and you could listen to probably a much better talk. Um, or you could go home and listen and get another aspect. Anyway, that's the banter. Um, <laughs> so there's, there's lots of scripture today. We haven't had a, a kind of a formal, here's the reading. Uh, that's largely down to my organisation, not Catherine's amount of asking me. Um, however, there is a lot of scripture in the talk, less than you'll normally get, uh, more than you'll normally get in a reading, and it will all be on the screen, so uh, I won't be giving you time to look it up necessarily, but it'll all be up there, and honestly, I haven't changed anything. I may have added a slight emphasis in bold and underline, and that wasn't in the Bible, that was me. So, to begin. Um, earlier this year, we started by looking at the early church. Um, we were kind of working on the premise that maybe not everything the early church did was perfect, but by looking at the early church, we could learn from what went well and what went wrong. Uh, and four of the weeks were entitled The Big Four. It's great looking over to Graham. He's just nodding because I'm talking about things that he's done. And it's brilliant. Just keep it up, Graham. Half an hour, 40 minutes, no, 20 minutes. You just keep nodding. Anyway, so we looked at the Big Four, which was based on a particular verse from Acts 2, uh, verse 42, which is going to be on screen. Mark? Bam. And it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Um, so the four things were the teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. And you just leave that up for a minute, Mark, that's fine. Um, and when we did that series, not that long ago, uh, John spoke on breaking bread. And he helped us understand that probably, and I was included in this, I just presumed that breaking bread was communion. I just, that's what I've been breaking bread. That's the words that we tend to use. And actually, that's probably not what it was referring to in that particular sentence in the Bible. Um, it probably relates to the believers sharing meals together. And indeed, when they shared a meal together, they probably went on to share communion or the Lord's Supper, or the Eucharist, or whatever name you want to use for that specific bit of sharing food together. And that is actually the example that Jesus set for us uh, at Passover. They had the meal, and then he broke bread and shared it with them. So I thought it was quite interesting, and it opened my eyes. 
Um, and I've spent a little bit of time since then trying to dig a little bit deeper into what the sharing food was all about. Um, and it's actually called something called the agape meal. Now, a lot of you may know that agape means love. It's a particular type of love. It's the love that God has towards us. In turn, it's also the love that we reciprocate back towards God and the love that we show to other humans when we show them some of God's love. Um, so it actually kind of translates as love feast. Does that sound nice? No? Ah, <laughs> oh, I didn't know. Wrong at so many levels, but right at so many levels too. Um, and this love feast is something that the early church probably did as a central point of their meetings together. It wasn't kind of, we'll do this once a year because we're going to have our meal together now. You know, it's, th it's that one in the calendar where we do that. It's, let's meet, therefore we will eat. What was your phrase? Somebody said the phrase earlier. Was it you, John? No meeting without eating. That may well have been the case. Um, so it's likely that actually what they did was they met to eat, heard some teaching, prayed, and had fellowship. And it's likely that they shared communion as part of that meal at the end of it, um, just as Jesus set the example. And anyway, the history uh, of the early church seems to tell us that actually the love feast carried on for quite a while, probably until sometime in the third century, at which point it either died out or was at least split from communion at that point for reasons that aren't important now, but the internet will be your friend if you want to look that up. Interestingly, in the big four, what's not mentioned? We've done it this morning. Singing, specifically as a type of worship. Probably the early church did sing, but it wasn't mentioned. But eating was. And um, I just, I'll come back to challenge you on this again. And there's nothing wrong with singing and, and worshipping by singing. But maybe we've lost some emphasis on eating as part of a spiritual practice. And uh, I'll come on to that now. So, why? We're going to have the next scripture, please, Mark. Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40. Um, this is Jesus being asked, trying to be trapped by the Pharisees. They're asking him a question about what the most important commandments are. And he replies, Teacher, uh, sorry, he asks, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So when Jesus, God, on earth, when somebody asks God, all that law that we've made a big deal out of, all of that law, what's the most important bit? And they think they're going to trap him because it's quite a tricky question. And he goes, no problem. Love God, love others. Everything else serves that. Sorted. I used to think whenever people tried to trip Jesus up and he gave one of these answers, um, people probably went, ah, I'm not going to ask him a question again. <laughs> Someone else can do it next time. It's put me in my place. Um, but Jesus commanded us to love God and love others. He said that is the most important of the laws 
if there's something you've got to do, got to pave, got to do in our life, love God, love others. And we're going to have a look at what love, lo- love looks like in a minute. But for now, the important point is that the thing Jesus commanded us to do was love God and love others. The most important bit reduced right down. Uh, next scripture, Psalm 133. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, in the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life evermore, forevermore, forevermore. It's a lovely little passage and one we're familiar with uh, for a lot of people, and it's a song, I think. The middle bit's a bit weird. I mean, I don't know how good and pleasant it is when oil runs down your beard. Has anyone with a beard tried that? Anyone run oil down their beard? No. Sorry? I've never put beard oil in my beard. Graham has. What's it feel like? Ah, oh, good and pleasant? Yes. Okay. <laughs> no, it runs down the collar for him. He's too much. So I think there's some funny things sometimes. I'm just saying that to try and to get, get you to wake up and engage and not just hear familiar words. I've highlighted the bits I'm focusing on, which is that God thinks it's really important when we dwell in unity. It's good, it's pleasant, it's important. But more than that, There is a blessing commanded. It's not like a choice. It's not something we say, we've been in unity, so therefore, please, could we have it? It's it's commanded. It's a law. God's going to make it happen. And that blessing is life forevermore. Now, I'm not a theologian, and I can't speak Hebrew or Greek. And um, I don't know what's behind this word, life. But I suspect four letters of our language is maybe a bit small. Jesus talks about, I've come that they may have life and life in all its fullness. And I think it might be that kind of life. Um, I actually looked old school at Matthew Henry commentary on this just very briefly because it was easy in the online version to do so. And he called it the blessing of all blessings. This life forevermore blessing is kind of, it's the, the kind of combination of blessing. So when we dwell in unity, God commands a blessing, and it seems to be important. And um, tiny aside, as a church, isn't it good when we're in unity? As a leadership team, one week in, still in unity. (laughs) Give us time. (laughs) But actually, joking aside, as a leadership team, I think our biggest aim, or one of our biggest aims, above leading the church well, is to stay in unity, because actually then we can lead the church well. And um, that's something that that certainly I want our team to be known for. And I don't think any of them will disagree with me. So, why the love feast? Uh, Because God told us to love each other, and it's a love feast. Uh, Two, unity. It's a chance to love each other. Peace and love, unity. Next, love, Mark. He suggested I had a special nod, but every time I look, he's just looking down. He wanted me to go. 1 Corinthians 13. Has anyone heard this not at a wedding? 
I've split it into to four pieces, and I'm just going to um, read the piece and then make a quick comment on it, and then we'll move on, Mark. So just stick with it for a moment. Don't just don't be trigger happy. 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Does love sound important? Yes, Richard. Does love sound important? Yes. Oh, thank you. That's good. I could speak in the tongues of men and angels. I could have some level of, of spiritual speech that is beyond my normal speech, but without love, I sound like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I could prophesy and have wisdom and understanding and knowledge so far beyond what's available to be human. But without love, I am nothing. And I could give up everything that I have and even my body, but without love, the gain is nothing. Powerful stuff. Next bit. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So this isn't just for weddings, and this isn't just for marriage. God told us to love one another. How do you feel with that one about one another? Would it be a fair description of me if we went with uh, Richard is patient and kind, Richard does not envy or boast, is not arrogant or rude? Probably got to stop there already. Richard does not insist on his own way, is not irritable or resentful. He does not rejo uh, rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. Richard bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things and endures all things. Maybe one day, maybe one day, God willing. But that is the direction that we're heading when we're heading in love. And so often I choose not to behave that way. Maybe I'm better at it in certain relationships or maybe towards God. But Jesus wasn't specific. Jesus was kind of love others. Didn't promise it was an easy one this morning, did I? Uh, next bit. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall fully know, know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. 
And I love that bit as well. There's so much that God adds to us in our lives um, as we develop uh, as a human into adulthood, as we develop as a Christian from kind of being an infant Christian into a grown-up Christian. But most of that falls away. Most of that becomes irrelevant. And the greatest thing that remains is love. Um, when we were praying this morning um, before the service, um, one of the things that I felt God had said to us was about, it was like he's given us these tools like prophecy and tongues and things. And it was kind of like a, a father and son picture of maybe I'd, I'd give Daniel like a toy toolbox and I'm doing some sawing and he might get out his plastic saw and have a go. And it was a bit like God was saying, I've given you these tools, they're kind of toys. They're kind of a shadow of what the real thing is. And actually the real thing is perfect love. And I don't think we can put too strong a point on the importance of love. So you may say, you've gone a little bit off track here, Richard. You were meant to be talking about eating and missional lifestyle. Yes? Yep. Back to the food. So how does this relate to missional lifestyle, you may ask? Let's have another scripture. Romans 5, verse 8. He's on the ball, that Mark, isn't he? Well done. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I couldn't decide whether to underline God shows his love for us or Christ died for us. It's the same thing. God showed his love for us by Christ dying for us. Praise God that God loved us while we were sinners. Otherwise, I would still be a sinner. Any amens on this side? I know you didn't win the game. Yeah. He didn't wait for us to turn and repent. He loved us regardless. He loved us as we were. He came and rescued us. It's the story of stories, isn't it? We get in a mess, there's a rescue. It's God. It isn't your story. So how then should we treat the not yet believers, the not yet Christians, as God treated us, with love, before any turning around happens, before any repentance happens, and regardless of whether any turning around or repentance happens. Given what I've been talking about today, if you can remember the bit about the love feast now, where better to show love than at the table? I'd suggest it's possibly easier than sat in rows looking at the front. Possibly. Um, and there's a second verse that goes hand in hand here, and it's going to appear on the same screen, hopefully. Romans 2, verse 4, and it is just the end of the verse. Um, God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. There's a question mark because you'll have to look at the rest of the verse to understand that, but I haven't taken it out of context, I promise you. God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. And the, the earlier little section has been talking about how God loved us while we were still sinners. And don't you know? You know, his kindness wasn't to be abused. He loved us because it's meant to lead to repentance. Now, before we um, kind of jump to the obvious conclusion, before I speculate about what effect our dining with non-believers may have on their eternal salvation and their relationship with God, 
let me think first about sharing the table with other believers, with other people from our church, and what happens to me when I share table with other believers. We all need to receive God's love, whether we're saved yet or not. We all need to repent and turn away from the sin that so easily entangles me regularly. And we need to do it regularly. We need to keep coming back to God. We need to keep turning around and keep coming back. And maybe sat in those rows singing, maybe sat in those rows listening to somebody like me waffle on can help. Maybe your quiet times at home, maybe your walks over the sunny hills seeing God's creation helps. But one of the spiritual practices that Jesus demonstrated, as John showed earlier, the early church were devoted to, and it is a spiritual practice, not just something it's good to do, is sharing table. So let me challenge you, this is for us, not just something we can do to try and evangelize other people. Perhaps sharing table is a place through God's love shared with one another, repentance, which is the giving up of self and the turning back to God, we find ourselves closer to that one who loves us so perfectly. Perhaps through that bit of love that each of us have of God's, that each of us share, we come closer to the source. And of course, the obvious point does remain that if the table is a place where God's love is shared with unbelievers, then the table may well be the place that a great deal of unbelievers come to faith. Maybe not the pews or the rows. Um, what was Jesus known for? Eating and drinking. What are Christians known for? Singing and teaching. Do we want to be known for singing and teaching or do we want to know, be known for eating and drinking? If we want to associate and imitate Jesus, then maybe that's one to think about. Anyway, I think that leads me to three points by means of a response and then a pray. Depending on where you're at this morning might depend on how you want to respond um, to God on this. Do we, do I, do you share table? Now, just a tiny little bit more on that. Sharing table, slightly funny phrase. I quite like it, though. Um, <laughs> I like slightly funny things. Um, it might be a meal at home. It might be a meal in a restaurant. It might be a cup of coffee and a polystyrene cup on a bench. It might be a hot dog after church today. It's not about the food, apparently. I've tried to make it about the food, and I'm guilty of that. But sharing table is about the people that are around the table and the fact that you're sharing the intimate act of consuming some nourishment. Um, Graham said something about bolognese. One, change the world one bolognese at a time, and it doesn't even have to be that complicated. So I just want to remind you that it could be um, a Costa coffee and a donut or not. Anyway, so do we share table with believers and non-believers regularly? Maybe this morning you want to respond by praying and asking God to reveal opportunities to eat with other people. It could be that simple. The second one might be that you've been challenged by what I said about love this morning. I promise you that nobody here is living in love in the way, perfectly in the way that 1 Corinthians 13 described. There's room for improvement for all of us, especially me. And if we're not living in love in the way that God intended, then asking God to work on that 
might be the focus this morning. God, how can I love you? How can I love others in the way that you intended? Please show me. He's a good father. He gives good things to his children when we ask. And lastly, um, we talked about the table being the place of kindness, the place that leads to repentance. And are we regularly turning away from our sinful self, repenting and heading back towards God, the one who loves you so much? If not, then today is a chance to ask God to soften your heart and bring reality back into your faith. Yeah, this week I, I am I'm aware that sometimes you can, you can do something in your own strength and then there's a point at which you realise it might be a bit dry and you've got to turn back to God and look to him. And in the prayer time again this morning, we prayed about just letting it all fall away and it being God and it not being about us doing anything that's, that's somehow going to impress people or be impressive, but it be about God turning up. So can I just pray for you before we finish? God, you are such a good, good father. So good to us. And you bless us with so many good things. We're just so thankful that you loved us first. We're so thankful that you made us with these bodies that you designed so intricately and that you made food and drink to be a pleasure, not um, a boring necessity, but a pleasurable one. Thank you that you're a God of relationship. You're a God of us living together and having relationship and community. You're a God of sharing. You share your love with us so freely and you give it us to share with each other. Thank you for the blessing that comes when we live in unity and share that love together. I just pray this morning that this church would be a church that is known for its love, even more than its eating and drinking. This is a church that would be known for its love for one another and the community. Jesus, open our eyes. Open our eyes to see each other the way that you see us. Open our eyes to see this town and the places that we live and the communities that we're in, the people that we work with, the way that you see them. Help us to love without limits. Help us to love without needing something back or expecting a response. Help us to be generous around the table with our words and actions and who we share it with. Thank you for your words to us this morning, God. I pray that what you've said would stick and what I've said would just fall away. In Jesus' name, amen.